Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, my next guest has her own certified coach training programme with clients ranging from Reuters to the UK's Teenager Cancer Trust. With all that experience, Salma Saa has just written Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging in Coaching. It's a book aimed at managers who wish to implement equality policies within their companies and I'm delighted that Salma joins me now. Good morning, Salma. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about your world of diversity and inclusion. Um, Is it something that most companies are aware of and that most companies should be doing more around? I think it's a very, very um, hot potato and area of interest at the moment. Um, Most companies have it somewhere on the agenda. Some are delving into it a lot further. Others are still figuring out what to do. So it is certainly a topic on the top of the list for many organisations for many, many reasons. Now, what we're talking about here, just to be clear, is race, gender, class, education, culture and religion. All these would be topics that you would uh, would cover under your bailiwick. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I often describe it as um, what it's like to be a minority in a majority space, whatever that means. And I think that's a way of covering um, an experience most of us have had at some point. But, but certainly it's, it's, it's when you are a minority and there's a majority group around you. Well, I can tell you that firsthand, Salma, back in my early days when I was working on the oil rigs uh, mm. in the North Sea, I was probably one of only two Irish people working on a rig with 800 English and Scots guys on it. Mm. And when the bombs went off in London, no one would talk to me for two yeah. or three days. Yeah. And I, I, that was my firsthand experience of it. And I've all, that, that's been with me to this day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's a fabulous uh, life experience of we've all experienced it at some point in some way. And I feel that when I talk about it as a minority in a majority space, even if you are a majority where you are today, you've had that experience. And therefore, in exploring this work, it makes it easier to walk in someone else's shoes, which I feel with what you've just said. Um, it is a prime example of that. What does, uh, like, if, if a workforce has many different sort of races, religions, you know, different social classes, in other words, most workplaces now are quite diverse by, you know, if you look at nationalities, religions, whereas I suppose in the older days, you know, there was much more, I suppose, traditional types of the same type of people and class in in different types of businesses. So it has come a long way. Absolutely. But what I guess where my point of interest is very often you will see a very diverse mix um, at certain levels of the organisation. But the higher we go, um, it becomes less and less diverse. And for me, it's about how do we support everybody and give them the opportunity to move up assuming they want to move up in a in a way which feels safe in a way which feels um they are not having to mask who they are they are and again it goes back to psychological safety are they safe as they grow up go up that um 
the ladder or are they having to be someone to fit in to go to go up that ladder? Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you to define psychological safety, but you've kind of done it there in the basis that, that, that you know, and if somebody is silent, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not oppressed, doesn't it? That often someone might say, stay silent on the basis that that's the easiest way to get through it. Absolutely. And I talk a lot about um, things like, um, you know, firstly, someone's temperament could be that they are a bit reserved, you know, it could be their personality type, that's something different. But I talk a lot about um, dysfunctional resilience, where someone has learned to be silent and resilient, but actually it's dysfunctional, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. So it's really about being curious about why is this person silent? What, you know, what's happening? And actually diving in and trying to make someone who's, who's on the quiet side open up too quickly can have a detrimental effect. You also talk about cultivating a system of acceptance and encourage all employees to safely bring their authentic selves to work. Could that be, and I don't mean to be provocative here, but could that be sometimes a bad idea? You know, I, I, it's not being provocative. And it, I always say that. And then with a tagline, um, behaving skillfully. Yeah. Yeah, be yourself at work. And that's for everyone. Of course, be yourself at work. However, behave skillfully. Just as you wouldn't swear or, you know, be rude to mem- some, mem- some members of your family. You know, you, you, you bring, you have to, you have to be, you have to read the situation you're in. However... It's when it's not about behaving skillfully. It's much more than that for somebody that they're really having to mask who they are. And I think, you know, I think when organizations say, yeah, just be exactly who they are. And someone really, especially, you know, if you've got less experience for work, you may read that and think, okay, well, I'll just show up as me, you know, I'll I'll wear my uh, flip flops and I will, you know, I'll just show up to work. As, and actually then that actually bites them back. Yeah. So I think it's a disservice to send that message out without the caveat of this is how this is this is what is appropriate in our work culture. I saw an article in the in the uh, CEO Today article that said being inclusive is so much mm. more than celebrating heritage months and an opportunity <laughs> to enjoy the culinary feasts of samosas and jerk chicken amongst oh. other treats. I think is that my is that my article? I think it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite, I, I find, yeah. It, it kind of, these celebration days just make me smile. Um, yeah, because they're tokenistic, they're, aren't they? Yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's fun. And I, I, yeah, they make me smile. I think there's a lot of, if, if that is in organisations, only celebration or only way of looking at diversity, they've got a long way to go. And actually, they, those days can be quite patronising, yeah. condescending. And isn't that isn't that a danger that you know that you would sort of patronise somebody by trying to be authentic and trying to celebrate their culture? That you need to be careful that you don't step over a line. Yeah. So, so you, yeah. And also, you're assuming that everyone who's of South Asian heritage likes samosas. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's ab, ab, absolutely. I, think, I mean, it's great to celebrate differences. However, I think we need to do a lot more work than these days. Yeah, yeah. So um, you you talked then about six steps uh, that you need to do to become a radical, inclusive leader. Um, mm. Let's talk about some of those. Well, what about unconscious bias? Mm. 
Well, as we know, there's been a lot of work in this topic, and I always am very careful around talking about unconscious bias because, yes, we all have bias, and yes, we all have unconscious bias. And I think the subject has, you know, to work on our biases requires, again, a lot more than a two-hour sheep dip session. It's a lot of work, and it's, it's around really creating an awareness of when maybe we have biases that are surfacing. And um, and I guess for me, it's the starting point I've always take a stop gap is, is am i is it a bias i have in this situation if so why and if so what can what should i be t- what should i be saying and doing here yeah uh, you you talk about uh, and i think it's a good it's a very good recommendation to practice slowing down yep. for yep. before jumping to a conclusion I, I, that summed it up for me that you really do need to think and reflect before you know having any bias you know, not that you should have a bias, but if you feel you do have one, you should certainly think about it before acting. And, and I know businesses need to make decisions very quickly. We have targets, we have goals. And slowing down doesn't mean slowing down permanently. By slowing down, we can make better decisions and then go a lot faster rather than come back and fix something that went wrong because we went too fast. So slow down to speed up rather than speed up, make a mess, go back and do it all, do it again. So absolutely slow down. But actually, I don't want anyone to think that this will slow you down. Yeah. It'll actually help you go a lot faster. What about being conscious that you're not tempted to rescue as this will come across as patronizing and condescending? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Okay, so what I often see is... Um, you know, for someone who is really keen to want to support everybody, they they can come at it from a place of, I'm helping you to now feel more accepted. And there's almost, it's coming from a place of, I'm, there's a, the message that is going, also going out is, I'm superior to you, therefore I want to help you. Yeah. Um, and I think that actually also backfires too. And, and I think there's a lot of, lot to be said for, I'm okay, you're okay, and this is how we're going to work together. And I know we have different needs, and, and I'm going to support you to meet your needs. But it's almost like a, ask yourself the question, am I saving here? Because when we start saving somebody, we are also also making them powerless, and we are making assumptions they need saving. People don't need saving. People just need to be in a space where they have more opportunity, and, it's, it, and there's an equity in that opportunity. I think I think the key for me, uh, Salma, is that if you can, if you can, as you say, as we talked about earlier, if you can put yourself in the in the in the yeah. space of that other colleague or employee, that you know, what was it like not to be picked for rugby or basketball? What was it like? You know, everybody has it. had some experience like that, and yeah. if you can, yeah. if you can think along those lines, would I be right in saying that you'll avoid most of the pitfalls uh, around, uh, come, you know, around doing the wrong thing around diversity, inclusion, and belonging? Hundred percent spot on, and I think it's about that. That's the opening to create the connection. But then it's about an awareness that someone who is a minority in a majority space may have had that situation happen to them multiple of times. Yeah. But simply by you yourself creating that connection is the key to unlock um, a conversation. And I'm a big believer in um, creating a safe space for clumsy, 
yet powerful conversations. And we can allow that to happen when both parties actually show show some vulnerability or show where they've experienced something similar. But I guess what we don't want happening is someone saying, well, well, my, your rugby experience doesn't compare to my what's been happening to me in every job I've gone into, every educational system I walk into, I'm always not safe. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. It's a starting point, but then it's really, let's delve on. I mean, for example, your, your oil rig conversation, I'm sure if we had more time, I would. we could have a wonderful conversation around that, actually. Well, we might, do, that, we might do that another day. And thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, that's Salma Shah, uh, author of Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging in Coaching. Thanks so much, Shah. Oh, you're most welcome. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.